This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, April the 20th. And our top story today is that the police watchdog says it will not be investigating the contact Kent police had with a couple before they were found dead at a tattoo studio in Canterbury. We told you in the podcast last week how Catalin Miku is suspected of murdering his wife Ramona Stoyer before taking his own life at Gothink. The force had referred itself to the watchdog after it emerged 54-year-old Miku was on bail, accused of rape. Now, in February, 35-year-old Ramona had secured a non-molestation order against her husband. And while they continued to live and work together, it meant that he was banned from harassing or pestering her. However, he'd been arrested last month on suspicion of breaching that order. Well, this is what the IOPC has had to say in a statement. Having carefully considered a referral from Kent's police, we've decided the matter does not require independent oversight by the IOPC. We've directed the force to carry out an investigation and will receive a copy of the investigator's final report, which ensures an appropriate level of independent scrutiny of the matter. Just to remind you of events, police were called to Gothink last Monday evening and it was later confirmed the couple had both died with only Ramona's death being treated as suspicious. Dozens of tributes to her have been left outside the building on Lower Bridge Street. Our reporter Brad Harper has been to see them. Since tarpaulin sheets were removed from the front of the Gothic studio in Canterbury, dozens of flowers and candles have been laid outside the shop for Ramona Stoyer over the past few days. Uh, Tributes have also been written for her. One says, I never knew you, but unfortunately relate to your experiences. You deserve to be here and free of violence. I hope you have some sense of peace. Another says, RIP Ramona, you are a beautiful soul. You will be missed so much. A poem has also been left at the scene called Shining Star and describes her as a wonderful spirit loved by all. A collage of pictures of Ramona has also been put on the door of the shop uh, and they show her travelling, smiling and doing her talents, which of course was tattooing. The very latest today from police is that inquiries are still ongoing before they provide a report to the coroner. And at Kent Online today, we've got some details for you of where to get help or support if you're experiencing issues of domestic violence. Just one number to give you is for refuge and they're available on 0808 2000 247. That's 0808 2000 247. If you need other advice or links, do head to the website. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a trainee Kent police officer who drove drunk after a barbecue and another who lied to police about it have been found guilty of gross misconduct. It happened near Dover in June 2020, just three months after 21-year-old Joshua Risby and 29-year-old Catherine Smith had joined the force. A panel's heard how he'd drunk eight or nine beers as well as vodka before driving to her home. When police arrived, she said he wasn't there and she'd got the train.
cane back. Well, that wasn't true and he was found in the garden and breathalyzed. They've both since resigned from the force. A Kent woman who was locked up after making malicious calls to a British transport police officer continued to do it just three days after being released from prison. Former NHS worker Janet Waller started targeting the victim in October 2020 and carried on while out on licence. Well, the 33-year-old from Pier Road in Northfleet has now been sentenced to 13 months and banned from contacting the BTP for five years. A group of boys have been caught on camera causing thousands of pounds worth of damage to a 12th century church in Medway. They're thought to be as young as 11 and at Kent Online you can see the video footage of rocks being thrown at St Helens in Cliff on Easter Sunday. Stained glass windows were smashed, tiles ripped from the roof and items that have been left at graves destroyed. Some news from the Commons now and the government's plan to send some asylum seekers who arrive in Kent via small boats crossing the channel to Rwanda is still causing quite a bit of controversy. You might remember the PM was in Kent last week to announce the scheme. Well, now, former Prime Minister Theresa May has questioned how legal it all is. She asked the Home Secretary if there's evidence it wouldn't increase the trafficking of women and children. Can I say with respect to my right honourable friend that from what I have heard and seen so far of this policy, I do not support the removal to Rwanda policy on the grounds of legality, practicality and efficacy. But Priti Patel insists the proposals would deal a major blow to people smugglers. We must break their lethal and evil business model by removing the demand for their repugnant activities. Every day, the broken asylum system costs the taxpayer almost £5 million in hotel accommodation loan. She says the plans will benefit Kent, but the leader of the county council reckons it'll do little to tackle the issues. And over the weekend, the plans were also criticised by the Archbishop of Canterbury during his Easter sermon. Justin Welby described it as ungodly. Boris Johnson says he's misconstrued the policy. Well, hundreds more asylum seekers have been intercepted while crossing the channel in small boats. A total of 263 were brought to Kent by UK authorities yesterday. Also today, Kent Refugee Action Network have tweeted a picture of actress Juliet Stevenson on a boat with one of their ambassadors saying they want to send a clear message to MPs. They're also opposed to this new policy and are calling for refugees to be protected, not punished. And finally, from the world of politics today, a Kent MP has accused Boris Johnson of delivering a pantomime performance while meeting with backbenchers last night. It followed the PM's apology in the Commons over Partygate after he was fined for going to a gathering at Downing Street during lockdown. But Sir Roger Gale says his tone did not match the earlier statement. The North Thanet rep doesn't want a leadership contest but has told Sky News that if more Covid rule-breaking is uncovered, it might be inevitable. I think a lot of people do recognise that we are in the middle of a very grave crisis. And the last thing we want to do is destabilise the government of the United Kingdom and potentially therefore destabilise the coalition against Putin's criminal war um, when we are facing such a dire circumstance. But, and it is a very big but, if, and I suspect this may happen, there are more revelations, more uh, Metropolitan Police fines, and if Sue Gray's report is damning, as it may well be, then whatever I think, that ground will shift. There's no doubt about that. There are a lot of things coming down the track that are going to be very difficult to handle. Um, my hope and expectation would be that if things get markedly worse for the Prime Minister, then he will do the honourable thing and resign. Now, that may be um, wishing that pigs will fly.
because under those circumstances, I still wouldn't want a leadership election. But I think there is a way through this. Um, I've suggested publicly, and nobody's knocked me down yet, that the deputy prime minister, who after all stood in for the prime minister when the prime minister had COVID, could take over and lead what effectively I've described as a war cabinet, a crisis cabinet, if you like, until such time as it is sensibly possible to have a leadership election, because that election will take three months. It will be contested and it will take out of play effectively or take their mind off the ball. Key players such as Elizabeth Truss, Ben Wallace, Michael Gove, the Deputy Prime Minister himself, possibly Rishi Sunak and many others. That is not a desirable circumstance when you're facing what effectively could be the start of a world war. Tomorrow, Boris Johnson faces a vote on whether to investigate claims he lied to Parliament. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Hundreds of The Wanted fans have lined the streets in south-east London to pay their respects to Tom Parker. He's just impacted so many lives in so many different ways. It just it just feels right to be here. Like, to know that he's gone, it's like a part of myself has gone. So proud of him for living his life the way he did after his diagnosis and for raising so much awareness. The 33-year-old, who was a patron of North Kent charity Eleanor Hospice, died last month after being diagnosed with a brain tumour in 2020. His widow, Kelsey, led a cortege through Pets Wood with flowers spelling Daddy on the side of the carriage. His bandmates, Max, Jay, Siva and Nathan, carried his coffin. Our thoughts today are very much with Tom's wife, children, family and friends. Police are hunting two men who punched and hit a stranger with a belt in Dartford. The victim was on a night out with friends when he was approached by the suspects near Spittle Street earlier this month. A car was also driven towards him, but he only suffered minor injuries. A man's appeared in court accused of stealing an Amazon delivery van in Canterbury. It was taken in broad daylight last Thursday and recovered along with all of the parcels just 20 minutes later. Well, a 33-year-old who's charged with robbery, driving without insurance and possession of cannabis is due at Crown Court next month. Meantime, jewellery's been stolen from a shop in Canterbury during an overnight raid. The iconic store on the parade had its windows smashed in the early hours of Easter Monday. Now, the group in charge of planning for emergencies in Kent have told the Kent Online podcast they are continuing to put pressure on government to come up with a solution to Operation Brock. The system of parking lorries on the M20 when they can't cross the channel has been in place for 20 days now. It's been reduced capacity since P&O ferries suspended sailings after sacking all of their staff last month. Toby Howe is a tactical lead at the Kent Resilience Forum and a senior highway manager at the County Council. He's been speaking to our business editor, Chris Britcher. Talking on topical terms, um, I mean, there, there is, isn't there, a limit really to what you can do? Uh, I mean, if, if for no other reason than Kent's sort of geographical position, everything is channeled, ch- channeled towards the channel ports and, and there's nowhere for it to go, is there? I mean, it, you, you do need, one assumes, a more coordinated national intervention to try and, if nothing else, to stop lorries coming into Kent. I mean, is that, 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 that's where your hands are tied, isn't it, to a certain extent? Yeah, on the specific of what we've got going on now, yes, that's very true. We do need that coordinated approach. But we do also, you know, um, with the current tactical and strategic meetings we're having every day, we do have input from many government departments as well to make sure a, they're aware of what's going on, so can advise sort of higher up. So, for example, um, the Secretary of State Grant Shapps has recently been on the news updating, saying, yes, there's going to be congestion. So all of it comes from 
our tactical strategic groups going all the way up to to advise him on the progress etc and then then it's also the likes of the Kent Resilience Forum putting pressure on government saying look Kent is suffering the residents the businesses the tourism within Kent is suffering here you know we need future planning so that we don't suffer all the time I'm assuming those conversations have been taking place for heaven knows how long given <laughs> I imagine both of us have lived in this county long enough to to sort of experience what happens every time there's any hold up at the port. I mean, A, do you get frustrated that there hasn't really been, I know we've got stack and that's involved into Brock, but there's not really, there's still no real alternative, is there? Does that frustrate you or do you feel like everyone's doing if, the if best they can? Everyone within Kent is doing the best they can, but I mean, I'm a resident of Kent. So I've been a resident of Kent, worked in Kent for many, many years now. So, yes, as a resident, I'm frustrated that it is Kent that suffers. You know, now if I need to get out and see family as well, I fully understand and sympathise with everybody within Kent that has got to travel when these issues go on, because there isn't that bigger solution being arranged. It's sort of we have this happening every, every time. I mean, Stack has been in place since the 80s. We had a huge Operation Stack in 2015. But each time there's talk, but it's Kent that suffers each time. Mm. Do, do you have any optimism that they're listening? Someone will actually do something? I've always <laughs> liked to think that I'm an optimist, yes, and actually think that. And I think, you know, it does seem so, but listening is one thing. Getting that action is another, isn't it? So... Mm. Yes, people are listening. We're getting communication back, etc., and things may slowly be happening. But we we need we need more action. Meantime, the MP for Faversham also reckons Operation Brock is not working and is calling for major changes to how traffic's managed in the county. Helen Waitley says turning the M20 into essentially a lorry park every time there's disruption at the ports is simply not sustainable. Kent Online reports: Southeasterns recovered more than two and a half million pounds from fare dodgers in the past year. Stats given to the podcast by the train operator, which covers Kent, says it issued 84,000 fines and the money will be reinvested to improve trains, stations and other passenger facilities. A developer has defended a decision to advertise its properties that are built in Chatham, 6,000 miles away in Hong Kong. It led to fears that homes at Chatham Waters wouldn't be available for local people. But X1 developments say only a handful of properties are being marketed overseas and the 199 that are on the open market will be occupied by local residents. A Canterbury taxi driver reckons his industry is being unfairly targeted over exhaust emissions. The council's phasing out diesel and petrol cabs, but buses, which are almost 20 years old, are still able to run in the city. Abe Hussein says it's not yet practical for him to buy an electric vehicle. At the moment, the new measures are a little bit too early for taxi drivers, maybe three to five years, because the um, the batteries are not giving us the mileage that we need on our taxis. That's the impact it will have directly on us. And um, what impact do you think this is going to have on cab drivers over the next few years? The impact it's going to have is that people are going to have to buy cars that they can't afford. This infrastructure in Canterbury, let alone the country, is not ready. We don't have enough charging points in Canterbury alone. If 15 people bought electric taxis, there's not even 15 charging points, so what would we do then? We'd be queuing up for hours on end trying to charge our cars. You spoke to me about looking at um, some taxis that you can switch um, yours to. Talk me through right. you personally. My taxi here is an eight-seater. 
the only eight-seater that they're making at present is £73,500. But there's no mileage in it. We can't, it doesn't do the mileage. I would have to come and maybe charge two or three times a day because the range is very poor, maybe 127 miles on, on one charge, which is nowhere near enough for a taxi driver. And how is this going to impact your livelihood? Um, if I can't get the correct car, it will most probably put me either on the dole or I'd have to drive a diff completely different car. And my work is not about that, so it would impact me severely. The council say they have no power to licence the bus industry but do regularly discuss climate targets with operators. 24 flats are going to be built next to a community centre in Dover as part of plans to tackle homelessness. The council's using land near St Radigan's on Poulton Close for the three-storey apartment blocks. They eventually want to create 500 affordable homes across the district. Jack and the Beanstalk at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury last Christmas has won two prizes at the National Panto Awards. It was named Best Panto while Paul Hendy won Best Director. More than 82,000 people saw the show, which was also streamed in care homes, hospices and a children's hospital ward. And I know we may have only just had Easter, but tickets are already selling fast for a Christmas light show at Bedgebury Pineatum. Organisers say the very popular attraction will be back from November until early January. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also also, get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.